Let's sing and swing. Evening visit with Mrs. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Two o'clock on Thursday afternoon in Manila. And now we bring you Forbidden Diary, the true World War II story of Natalie Crowder, based on her secret journal written from a Japanese prison camp in the Philippines. Episode 1, on Pins and Needles in Baguio. It's November 1941, and tension in the Philippines is as thick as a muggy summer day in Manila. The islands are a commonwealth of the United States on the brink of becoming an independent nation. The U.S. military has been downsizing its presence so the Philippine army could take over, but the discord between America and Japan has caused an abrupt U-turn. This summer, FDR cut diplomatic ties with Japan and placed an embargo on oil, steel, and other critical commodities. The Philippine Army is now under the newly created U.S. Army Forces in the Far East. Its commander, General Douglas MacArthur, is returning soldiers to active duty and positioning his armies. 900 miles from Japan, in the town of Baguio, nestled in the mountains on the Philippine island of Luzon, Jerry and Natalie Crowder wait and watch along with everyone else, wondering what's going to happen next. And now, Episode 1. This concludes another broadcasting day from KZRH Manila. I've had enough for one day. Mind if I turn off my light, Natalie? No, you go ahead. Jerry. What? I'm sorry about that scene at Bridge today. You shouldn't let Ted English bait you, Natalie. That condescending little smirk of his just frosts me. Ah, Ted's a horse's ass. I don't know how Millie puts up with him. Yeah, his, uh, his fuse was shorter than usual today. I'll say. I think that I'll stay up a little longer. <sighs> well, don't stay up too late writing in that diary of yours. I won't. Night. Night, Jerry. November 28, 1941, Baguio, the Philippines. What a day it has been! Jerry shuts his eyes, and he is fast asleep. But not me. Ted English and I had a terrible run-in at Bridge today, and everyone stopped to hear the fireworks. Ted just kept baiting me. And, well, I certainly wasn't going to let him get away with it. Which started out all fine and well. I wore my navy blue suit and fox fur, because the weather's been chilly. A rare event in the Philippines, even up here in Baguio at 4,800 feet. Everyone looked very smart. The Bridge Club's decorating committee had the Swiss chalet room at the country club, looking Christmassy. The card tables were covered with matching tablecloths, edged in swags of holly that the committee cross-stitched a few summers ago. And a fire crackled in the club's huge lava stone fireplace, which doesn't happen very often. You know, after almost 15 years in the Philippines, I think it's the only time when I truly miss Boston. Anyway, we had five tables of bridge going. Ten couples, of course. 
Jerry and I paired with Ted and Millie English, and everything was going fine until the second round of bridge. That's when Ted started in. Is it my turn this time? Yes, Ted. Okay, one heart. Pass. Uh, two clubs. So, what do you all think's gonna happen? Uh, two diamonds. Oh, I don't know, Ted. I left my crystal ball back in the States. Natalie, you don't think the Japanese are going to try to invade the Philippines, do you? Well, I certainly do not think it will continue to be business as usual around here. You really think so, Natalie? I do. And frankly, I think something is going to happen sooner than later. How do you know that? Well, for starters, the soldiers from Cavite and Clarkfield weren't at Army-Navy game last Sunday. Well, there's proof positive. Well, I think it is significant. Something must be up, because the Red Cross has been asking volunteers for more medical supplies lately. So we've been working around the clock, sewing hospital gowns and surgical coats. Ted, it's your bid. Three clubs. I don't see any movement from the Filipinos in that direction. What direction? Volunteering for the Red Cross? No. Making preparations to leave. <sighs> Where would they go? The Igorots will just head back up into the mountains. It's your turn, Natalie. Um, three diamonds. What'll the rest of the Filipinos do? I have no idea, Ted. Four hearts. Jerry? Um, pass. Well, anyway. The Red Cross is telling everyone to prepare for the worst. The Red Cross is always telling people to prepare for the worst. Are you and Millie stocking up on canned goods and water? Natalie wants to fill up the bathtub. Don't open the spigots because we're not going to be invaded by Japan. MacArthur's not going to let it happen. I don't think MacArthur will let it happen either. But that isn't going to stop the Japanese from giving it a try. Give me one good reason why they would. I can give you two. Japan seems to be in the habit of invading countries. And we? And we are only 900 miles from Tokyo. That's not exactly a stone's throw. And, you may recall, America's not at war with anyone? Not yet. Do you really want a war, Natalie? I am not saying that, Ted. Because FDR sure bucking for another one in Europe, and now you're pushing for one in the Pacific. I most certainly am not. Jerry... You don't need my help. I'm more worried about Ted. Not funny, Jerry. I am just saying, Ted, that Japan will probably try to invade the Philippines. Then you may as well say that America's going to war because if Japan tries to invade the Philippines, there'll be a war. That doesn't necessarily follow. It sure does. If you think war is so inevitable, who do you think America should fight? Japan or Germany? Let's take a vote. No! no. Oh, for corn's sake, Ted. How about a war in Europe and the Pacific? Settle down, Ted. Nobody wants a war. If you ask me... And we're not. It's your turn, Ted. If you ask me... If we all stay calm and don't poke up a hornet's nest, we'll be fine. 
The Japanese are too busy to bother with the Philippines right now, and by the time they are, they won't want to, because MacArthur will have built up our armies. That might have been true before FDR. <sighs> Natalie… We can't all stick our heads in the sand, Jerry. Natalie… FDR poked Ted's hornet's nest this summer when he cut diplomatic ties with Japan. He also placed an oil embargo. Japan gets all of their oil from us. How are they going to invade the Philippines without oil? They invaded French Indochina. Why stop there? The Dutch East Indies has plenty of oil. Unlikely. And even if it were, it'd take them at least a year. Besides, if your attack is so imminent, why isn't the State Department telling us to go back to the mainland? Then why is the Army shipping military dependents home? Boy, you really are spoiling for a war! No. I am just stating the facts. I can tell you one thing. Having lived in Baguio 30-plus years, if we Americans jump ship and go home for no good reason, the Filipinos will see it as disloyalty. And they'd be right. Well, I have to agree with you on that. But it's not going to stop the Japanese. Are you two finished? Because we haven't even gotten to the play yet. Who bid last? I did. It was a pass. Then it's your turn, Ted. Ted? Ted. Give me a cotton pick in minute, Millie. Okay. Pass. Happy now? Not really, Natalie dear. <sighs> I'm a pass. It looks like you got the final contract, Millie. You could hear a pin drop when Ted started in on a war with Japan and Germany. Everyone in the room kept their noses in their cards while glancing sideways at us. Even the bartender stopped mixing drinks. But frankly, I don't care. We were saying what everyone else in that room has been thinking. I suppose Jerry's probably right about Ted being nervous. Everyone is on pins and needles these days. But honestly... The people you have to put up with just to fill a bridge table. Three thirty a.m., November thirty, nineteen forty-one, Baguio, the Philippines. We heard a noise coming from the kitchen about an hour ago, and thought that Pippi had knocked over her water bowl again. There have been thefts recently, so we got up and checked, but nothing had been disturbed. The kids slept right through it. And Jerry is back in bed, but here I am at the kitchen table. What do you do at 3.30 a.m. and wide awake? It isn't just a thump in the night that has me jangled. Two weeks ago, while we were out gardening, Jerry rattled me to no end with his comment about burying our valuables in the backyard. You cannot be serious, Jerry. In the ground. As in buried treasure. I'm not saying we have to do it, Natalie. I'm just making the suggestion. Why not put the silver and jewelry in a safety deposit box? Because the first thing the Japanese will do is take over the banks. People are doing it. Who? Well, the Carlisles, for one. That is just crazy. I know the Japanese are going to try to invade, but MacArthur won't let that happen. I won't tell Ted you said that. I never said that Japan was going... I never said that Japan was going to invade us. My point was that they're going to try. Seriously, Jerry, 
How bad do you really think this is going to get? I don't know. But if for some reason, and I seriously doubt it, but if we have to evacuate... Then why are we stockpiling food just to leave it behind? It can't hurt to prepare for all scenarios. Listen, have you thought any more about going back to Boston with the kids? Not without you. We agreed that we wouldn't break up the family. This won't last forever. Then how long? Six months? A year? Two years? This is our home. Baguio and the Philippines are all the kids know. Well, it's probably not a good time to travel anyway. <sighs> Jerry, every day we're losing more control over our lives. I know, honey. But you know what? Thank God we have valuables to bury. That is true. I still remember when you gave me a bad time about wasting our gold stock money on baubles and trinkets. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never doubt you again, my dear. They may save our lives. That's not making me feel any better. What do you mean by that? Well, just that if we can't get out in time, we can buy things with them. Oh, swell. Should I start sewing Grandmother's diamond ring into my petticoat? Oh, come on. It's never going to come to that. Look, the worst that's going to happen is your stuff will get a little dirty. Or we forget where we buried it. Exactly. Look at it as insurance with no premiums. Honey, no matter what happens, we're all going to be fine. This is, you know, just in case. Well, no matter what we do, I better ask Nita to sew some bags for the Sterling and... December 1st, 1941, Baguio, the Philippines. It seems as if all the children in Baguio have become little magnets lately, picking up on the fears we adults are trying to hide from them. June now wants to help at the Red Cross, and Beatty's asking to be tucked in every night. I read two stories this evening, but Beatty wanted to hear more. The End Tell me another story, Mommy. It's getting late, Beatty. You have school tomorrow. Oh, not you too, June. I can't sleep, Mummy. Oh, okay. Crawl under the covers with your brother and me. Tell us a story about how you and Daddy met. Please, Mummy. Please. Well, your Daddy grew up in Colorado and came to the Philippines after World War I. Daddy was in the Army. He was. Did he get hurt? No, sweetie. When he returned home, his ship stopped in the Philippines. And he liked it so much that he decided to stay. Then what did he do? Well, first, he worked for the Sugar Planters Association. And that's when you met Daddy. Yes. Your grandfather used to take me on trips all over the world. And on one of those trips, we traveled to the Philippines. But Grandpa got very, very sick in Manila. Yes, he did. So we had to stay until he got better. And that is when we met Daddy, who helped us. But you didn't get married. No, not then. After Grandpa and I left, your Daddy and I wrote to each other for two years. We were married in Tianjin, China. Then what happened? Well, we lived happily ever after in a beautiful old beach town called Vigan, up on the northwestern coast of Luzon, until the Great Depression. But your daddy found a gas station business in Baguio, so we moved down here. Was I born? No, not yet. But I was. You were, in 1929, when the Depression started. But when it was over, 
businesses began to spring up all over the Philippines. Especially mines. Especially mines. And especially in Baguio. So your very smart father decided that people working in dangerous jobs needed insurance and opened an insurance agency. And that's when I was born. You were born in 1931. The Depression wasn't over yet. You were pretty old, weren't you, Mom? Oh, an ancient woman of 33. But that is no way to talk, sir. If you want a piece of apple brown Betty tomorrow... When do you make that? Nita baked it when you were at school today. Can I have some? May I have some? May I have some? Yes, you may. When Mrs. Peregrine visits us tomorrow. Who's Mrs. Peregrine? She's our gas station manager's new wife. Is she coming for breakfast? No. You will just have to wait until after school. Now, off to sleep, both of you. Night, Mommy. Night, Mommy. Josephine, come in. Thank you, Mrs. Crowder. Please, just call me Natalie. Let's head into the living room. My children should be home from school by about three, so we'll have the house to ourselves for a little bit. Oh, there you are, Nita. Here's the coffee and cobbler when you're ready, Mrs. Crowder. It looks delicious. Thank you. You're welcome. What happened to the center? I think Bidi found the apple brown Betty. Not again. I hid it really good this time. It looks like a gopher went through it. That boy, he knows all of my hiding spots. I will have a little talk with Bidi when he gets home from school. I'd better go to the market before dinner. Thank you, Nita. I'll see you later. Have a seat, Josephine. Thank you. Now, tell me, how are you and John settling in? Slowly, but we're getting there. My furniture arrives next week from Manila. Coffee? Yes, thank you. Cream and sugar? Just a splash of cream, please. Thank you. What do you think of Baguio so far? We're not quite as cosmopolitan as Manila. No, but I sure won't miss Manila come summertime. You really will appreciate the cooler summers up here. Would you like, um, an untouched piece of apple brown Betty? I think there's some around the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I haven't had apple brown Betty in ages. This much? Perfect. Oh my, this is very good. Nita is a wonderful cook. I wanted to ask you, I'm having troubles finding a housekeeper. Can you suggest anyone? Hmm, not offhand, but I can ask Nita. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have introduced you earlier. That's okay. She seemed in a hurry. Nita's been with us since we moved to Baguio. Oh, it must be 12 years ago. Honest and truly, I don't know what we, I, would do without her. Just this week, on top of all the cooking and housework, she and the laundress sewed three dozen bedsheets and two dozen surgical coats for the Red Cross. Speaking of which, do you think that you might be interested in joining? The Red Cross? It would be a good way to meet people. I'm all for that. You'll make a lot of friends there, and it's such a good cause. More coffee? 
I'm fine, thank you. You were saying about Nita? Just that Nita is absolutely wonderful. She and her husband, Ismail, are practically family. They live in a room next to our garage. I saw a bunch of kids playing in the front yard on the way in. Are they hers? Yes, two girls. The others were probably her cousin's children. Nita always has at least five to ten family members living with her. If she doesn't know a good housekeeper, I would bet that somebody in her family will. I'd really appreciate it. So, let me see. How else can you meet people? There's always the Tuesday Club. Oh, I know. Do you and John play bridge? We do. I think that you'll find a lot to do, and a very interesting mix of people. Quite a few Chinese and Japanese live here, and of course, Filipinos and Igorots. I always get confused. Who are the Igorots? They're the native people who live up here. There must be seven or eight tribes. So Igorot is kind of a, a general name. Perhaps in a way um, like how Italians and Swiss are called Europeans. But I think there's more to it than that. I do know that the word Igorot means mountaineer in Tagalog. Oh, and what about Americans and expatriates? British, mostly, and a lot of Americans, including the soldiers at Camp John Hay. You can see the fort from our house. Camp Hay makes me feel a lot safer. John says that if anything happens with Japan, we're better off here than in Manila. Thank God we're not living in Europe. We're home. We're home, Mommy. There are the kids. June, Beatty, come here. I want you to meet Mrs. Peregrine. Her husband runs Daddy's gas station. Hello. Nice to meet you. Mommy, at recess, Jimmy Lothar said that the Japanese are going to ship us all to Korea. You know better than to believe that, June. Jimmy Lothar is a horse's ass. Frederick Edgerton Crowder, watch your mouth. Sorry. Uh, I, I don't know where he picks up such language, Josephine. Beatty, you are already skating on thin ice after what you did to Nita's apple brown Betty. December 2nd, 1941, Baguio, the Philippines. 102 members were present at the Tuesday Club this morning. Josephine Peregrine signed up for next year's first aid course, and everyone wanted to help with the treasure bags for the soldiers. We also made warm Christmas coats for Igorot babies, so they won't die from wind on the chest, as the Igorots call pneumonia. December 4, 1941, Baguio, the Philippines. We listened to Carlos Romulo on the radio this evening, which further darkened the undercurrent we're treading above these days. The point of the Filipino publisher's speech was to remind us that we are only 16 million, about to enter what he called, quote-unquote, a large picture of 400 million Chinese and 70 million Japanese. December 6, 1941. Baguio, the Philippines. The Tuesday Club's box supper was a huge success. The auction baskets alone raised 460 pesos. We must have had at least 70 young people, and all of them were wide-eyed at their first big soiree. The pretty dresses made the event so colorful and gay. It was lovely to forget the world for a few hours. December 7, 1941. Baguio, the Philippines. Jerry and I drove around Baguio to take photos to send back to the States. 
Our excursion ended at the caddy house at Camp Hay, where we enjoyed a peaceful Coca-Cola. It's funny. All week, I've maintained that something would pop on the 7th, but could give no reason why, except a 7 in my tea leaves, which is no reason at all. Well, it's Sunday night, and nothing's happened, so I guess my intuition's wrong this time. It's probably just a case of overactive nerves. And that is all of the news to report for today. I'm heading off to bed. One moment, please. This concludes Episode 1. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of Forbidden Diary, the true World War II story of Natalie Crowder, based on her secret journal written from a Japanese prison camp in the Philippines. <laughs>